What happens when your life of luxury leaves you void of peace and purpose? Well, you're about to find out. Hey everyone, how do you do? Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. <laughs> With sound effects, even. And uh, we do this using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. What would you do if achieving your dreams still left you empty? Or even more so, what if you were famous and wildly successful and still yearned for something more? We're going to explore those questions in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Ron Lindner made a name for himself. Though he was born into humble beginnings, Ron and his brother Al became uh, pioneers in the era of modern fishing. They were part of a fishing revolution and built a fishing empire with their techniques. Their uh, Lindy fishing lures, which my own father used because my dad loved to fish. And they had an angler uh, television show that I believe is still airing today. Ron Lindner was a fisherman who became a fisher of men. It is a compelling story about a man who became famous, but more importantly, became faithful. Also, folks, stick around because later we're going to field a listener's question and give the rest of you an opportunity to enter a sweepstakes drawing for a prize. Woohoo! No, it's not a lottery ticket, but first, let's get to it. The true testimony of Ron Lindner. I wish I had time. I have to go to work. This headache is killing me. I knew all that wine would give you a hangover. Uh, give me a break, okay? It, it helps me sleep. I'm sorry, hon. You know, I don't feel so great myself. Oh, what's the matter? I think I'm pregnant again. Oh, you're kidding. Dolores, we're still paying bills from the last kid. All those complications. I'll be okay. It's... We always manage to make ends meet. Yeah, we're barely scraping by as it is. I'm already exhausted, and I'll have to get a second job. I'll see you later, Dolores. I'm off to work. Work, sleep, wake up, repeat. Man, is this all there is to life? Ron Lindner's life had humble beginnings. He and his wife married young and had more children than they thought they could afford. Then he followed a dream and became a legend in the fishing world. But as Ron discovered, success doesn't guarantee happiness. This is his classic true story, right now on Unshackled. My love for fishing began as a young child at my grandmother's cabin in Wisconsin. The peaceful serenity of the lake offered a welcome contrast to my usual city life on Chicago's northwest side. Hey, take a look at this, Al. What is it? It's my new fishing lure. You like it? Yeah, it's pretty. I like the fish. It looks like a fish. <laughs> That's the point. See, it's shiny and it looks like a little fish, so it can attract big fish. Did you make that, Ron? No, but I'd like to make my own lure someday. I've been reading about it. I like it here. Yeah, me too, buddy. 
I wish we lived in a cabin on a lake like Grandma. Then we could go fishing every day instead of waiting for the weekend. Let's move to Wisconsin someday and be fishermen. I loved my weekends on the lake. Back in Chicago, though, I lived the life of a typical teenager. At 17, I met a girl named Dolores at a party, and we started dating. Dating mostly meant hanging out with our friends, making out, and getting drunk. We weren't perfect, but we were very much products of the 1950s. Popular optimism and morals of the era kept us out of any serious trouble. We never had to worry about anything, and it seemed we had an endless amount of time to goof around and have fun. Then, after my high school graduation, reality hit. What are you going to do after you graduate? You mean like a job? Ron, don't you think it's time to start thinking about our future? I like the sound of that. Our future. Well, we've been dating for a whole year and a half now. I know. I've been thinking about joining the army. Wow. I hope they don't send you to Korea. Uh, me too. It sounds miserable over there. Well, they'll send you somewhere, though. Somewhere far away from Chicago. I'm really going to miss you, Dolores. I'll miss you too, Ron. I'll write you every day. I won't be gone for long. As soon as I'm done, I'll come right back home to you. And what's next after that? I want to settle down and move somewhere peaceful. Somewhere far away from the city. That sounds nice. But what do you do about work? The jobs are here, Ron. Dolores thought my plans to move to the country were unrealistic fantasies. After three months of basic training, the Army shipped me to Europe for 18 months. As promised, Dolores wrote to me every day. What you reading, Ron? Oh, a letter from my girl back home. Aw, oh, isn't that cute? Ron got a letter from his girlfriend. Hey, Ron, <laughs> oh, look you got a love letter. Well, when you're done reading that, I know where you can get some real women. What do you mean? Don't play dumb. There's a bar nearby where a bunch of hot German chicks hang out. They don't speak much English, but they know how to treat a soldier. Okay, yeah, I get it. Have fun. Don't you want to come with us? Sorry, I'd rather write back to my girlfriend. Do you guys hear this? I don't know what's wrong with you, Ron. If you ever change your mind, let me know. Dolores' letters kept my spirit up during that first long year. It was easy to resist temptation when I knew I had someone waiting for me at home. Then, six months before my return, I received some news that shook my sense of security. What you got there, Ron? Another letter from your wifey? She's not my wife. I know, she's just your girlfriend. But she has you hooked. I don't think she's my girlfriend anymore. She wrote me this letter saying she went on a date with another guy. Why would she admit that? She feels guilty. And here I was being faithful to her when I could have been having a good time with the rest of you. Now you don't have any excuses. Come on, tonight I'll introduce you to the hottest girl in the bar. Dolores went on a casual, innocent date to a concert with a group of friends. I knew nothing happened, but my jealousy got the best of me. I stopped writing to her and started drinking and chasing girls like most of the other soldiers. Once I returned to Chicago, though, I couldn't stay away from her. I missed you so much, Ron. Why did you stop writing? Because I'm an idiot, Dolores. I'm sorry. 
I don't deserve you. Oh, don't, don't say things like that. It just made me crazy thinking about you with another guy. I promise I've been faithful to you, Ron. And now that we're back together, nothing will tear us apart again. Dolores and I married in June of 1956, when she was just 19 and I was 21. I didn't forget my fishing dreams, but I took a more pragmatic job as a surveyor with the Cook County Highway Department. For a couple of years, we lived the idyllic, simple life that people envision when they think about the 1950s. The birth of our second son, Michael, changed all that. How you feeling, honey? It was a rough delivery, but I'm alive, and so is our son. I thought this would be the happiest day of my life. Oh, me too. I, I never thought something like this would happen to us. What did we do to deserve this? After our last child run, I thought he'd be perfect. What kind of God would give us a baby with brain damage? Mm. I mean, we go to church every Sunday. For what? I don't know. I don't know, Ron. I spent many years believing that God was punishing me for all the bad things I did. As Michael's medical bills piled up, a cloud of fear and depression hung over me. More coffee, Ron? Oh, I wish I had time. I have to go to work. This headache is killing me. I'm sorry, hon. You know, I don't feel so great myself. Oh, what's the matter? I think I'm pregnant again. You're kidding, Dolores. We're still paying bills from the last kid. All those complications. Oh, we'll be okay. We always manage to make ends meet. Our family grew to five children, and I had to get a second job. I struggled through each day and came home exhausted every night. But my life had one small comfort. I wish you wouldn't drink so much, honey. I wish you wouldn't nag me about it. At least I'm drinking in front of you. You want me to stop by the bars like the other guys? No, of course not. Then leave me alone. I'm trying to relax. I'm worried about your health, Ron. Oh, haven't you heard? Red wine is good for you. Well, not when you drink an entire quarter every night. The 1960s came, and the nation faced challenges to the old ways of life. Dolores and I kept trying to live the American dream. We moved out of our apartment and bought a home in a Chicago suburb. My brother moved in, and we spent weeknights in the basement making lures. Well, this isn't exactly a cabin by the lake, but it's a step up. I still wish we lived in the country, but Dolores is a city girl. Try being in high school. The other kids are too political. All these Vietnam War protests. Yeah, that reminds me, Al. Have you thought about your plans after graduation? Yeah, I'm going to join the Army like you. Oh, well, somebody's got to do it. Want a beer? Sure. My brother went into the Army and fought in the Vietnam War. We exchanged letters like Dolores and I did during my days in the service. So, how's he doing? Uh, surviving, which is no small feat in Vietnam. Says he wants to move north when he gets back. I think we should join him. What are you going to do up north? Ooh, I always dreamed of starting a bait and tackle business. What about our house? We can sell it. Are you sure you want to leave everything behind? Our, our parents? Our, our friends? I like being in the wilderness. If I could get out of the city and make a living doing what I love, I'd be the happiest man in the world. 
I had to learn the hard way that happiness doesn't depend on circumstances. I began to paint and fix up the house, getting ready for the move. My parents supported Al and me, but Dolores' family thought we were crazy. A big adventure lay ahead of us, one I wasn't exactly prepared for. All right, folks, we'll get back to Ron's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Dot org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. And we thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to Ron's story. When Al returned from Vietnam, we embarked on the biggest adventure of our lives. Finally, we would realize our lifelong dream to live in the countryside, fishing and making lures. Dolores wasn't too happy about our plan. Minnesota? What's in Minnesota? Well, nothing much. Only 10,000 lakes. And next You'll time. You'll love it, Dolores. And next I'll time. I'll freeze to death. I've heard about and the winters. And next time. Right, and Chicago's winters are nice and toasty. We'll make a And point. next we'll go time. go to Florida in the winter. What about your jobs here? Honey. And look, next I time. I know it's a big transition, but Al and I have big plans. We want to write some books about sport fishing, and we need to explore the best locations for angling. We'll have a much better life there. You'll see. We're going places. We moved to Minnesota, where we soon immersed ourselves in the fishing tackle and guide business. Al and I invented and marketed many popular lures, with some selling in the millions. We traveled a lot. As I told Dolores, we had to find the best locations for fishing, so we could learn more about the sport and share our knowledge with others. When I spent time away from the family, I would go to local bars for a drink. Anytime I felt anxious or stressed, I would self-medicate with alcohol. How was your trip, hon? Uh, pretty good. Here's the laundry. Gee, thanks. How long will we be home this time? Just a couple of days. Then I have an angling tournament in Texas. We hardly see you anymore, Ron. That's the price of success, Dolores. We're becoming real stars in the fishing world. I'm proud of you for that, but I wish you'd spend more time with us. Be careful what you wish for. You'd get sick of me if I were home all the time. What's this? Oh, just a traffic ticket. A DUI? Oh, Ron! <laughs> By 1973, we had seven children. I traveled so much that most of the responsibility fell on Dolores. My drinking problem earned me my third DUI, which forced me to join an alcoholic rehab center. 
I tried to stay sober, but after a few months, I'd fall into the same patterns. Hey, who left that by the door? One of the kids. I know better than that. You ought to keep him in line, Dolores. Oh, Ron. You've been drinking again. So what? Our first magazine hit the newsstands today. Ain't that a cause for celebration? That's wonderful. But you have to be careful, Ron. You're still driving with a conditional license. You're ruining the mood, Dolores. Now, how about fix me something to eat? Whenever I drank, waves of regret and depression followed. On Good Friday in 1978, after nine months of sobriety, I drove to the Minneapolis Sports Show. Hey, Ron Lindner! I read your new book on fishing strategies. It really helped my game. Glad to hear it. That's why I come to these conventions, to meet guys like you. After you pack up, uh, let me buy you a beer. I'd love to pick your brain. Going to the show, I knew I couldn't resist the urge to drink. A lot of the guys there were heavy drinkers, and the temptation was unrelenting. At the end of the day, I drank until a dark curtain rolled over my consciousness. I woke up in my hotel room, head spinning, with bruises all over my arm. I looked at my wallet and saw that I'd spent almost all of the $200 I'd brought with me on booze. Somehow, I managed to hobble down to the lobby. Good morning, Mr. Linder. Are you ready to check out? No, I'm staying till Sunday. Well, today is Sunday, sir. Somehow, I'd lost an entire day and a half. I'd blacked out before, but never for that long. To make matters worse, when I went to the parking lot, my car was gone. Hello, police? Yeah, I'm calling about my stolen car. Yes, it's been gone this morning. I'm stranded. Oh. oh. You found it? Where was it? Oh, oh I see. I... Okay, I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry to waste your time, officer. The police found my car a couple of blocks away from the hotel. I'd obviously left it there myself. Later, I learned that I'd made a complete drunken fool of myself at the trade show and at the restaurant where we went to celebrate after. I felt very ashamed as I started the three-hour drive home. Listen and take heed to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I'd never murdered anyone. I wasn't a thief, but I knew I was a drunk. Even though I took my family to church and called myself a Christian, nothing in my life reflected the joy that comes from knowing God. I earned all the things I thought I wanted, a life in the outdoors and a career doing what I loved. I had plenty of money and a wonderful family. Yet I felt miserable with no brighter future in sight. How was your trip? It was uh, eventful. To tell you the truth, I'm getting tired of it all. I've lost sight of what's really important. God and family. 
I know what you mean. I've been wanting to focus more on our faith. Listen, there's a revival meeting over in Crosby, Arrington tomorrow, and I'd like to go. You want to join me? The next evening, as I listened to the evangelist, his words reminded me of what the radio preacher said. I realized that my drunkenness was getting in the way of a meaningful relationship with God. As long as I kept drinking, I would never find true peace and joy. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see, God loves you and has a good plan for your life. He wants you to follow Jesus Christ so that you can have eternal life. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. Repentance means recognizing that you've done things in your life that separate you from God. Things like murder and stealing, of course, but also smaller sins like drunkenness and dishonesty. Friends, God offers you forgiveness from all sins through his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ died in your place to pay the price for your sins. He rose from the dead and will come into your heart to make your life new. God promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Wouldn't you like to have a fresh start? To be forgiven for the past and to find hope for the future? Come forward now and let Jesus into your heart. I wasn't sure what all of that meant, but my instincts told me that I needed it. When the evangelist gave the invitation to come forward, I jumped out of my seat and nearly ran to the stage. Standing there alone, I felt a, a hand grab my arm. There stood Dolores beside me. Her smile melted my hardened heart. Are you both ready to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Yes, I am. Praise God. Let me show you what God says about salvation in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Even the faith to believe comes from God, and it's God's grace alone that saves you. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you admit that you're a sinner? Yes. yes. We're all sinners, and we all need God's forgiveness. 
Let's pray to invite Jesus Christ into your hearts and lives. After we prayed, we spoke to some counselors who explained further about what we had done and showed us Bible verses to help us later on. All my life, I thought that my work would bring happiness. Now I knew that grace was the answer. God would accept me just the way I was because Jesus had died for me. Hey, Ron, over here. Oh, thanks for joining us, Al. Uh, maybe next time you can come forward too. What an amazing experience. I don't understand why you two went up there. We've been going to church all our lives. Well, I, I didn't understand it at first either. I, I just felt a calling. I had to go and receive what Jesus offered me. But why? I always knew he was the son of God, but I didn't realize that he died for me to wash away my sins. You know, all of a sudden, I, I knew that he was the only hope I had. Ron, when I saw you go forward, I realized that I needed him to change my life too. And now that I've received Christ as my savior, something has definitely changed. Dolores and I gave our lives to Christ in March 1978, but years passed before we fully understood what God did for us that night. Salvation brought the beginning of many blessings. First, the Lord set me free from alcohol permanently. And little by little, through his word, he made other changes in me. I started talking to Al about Jesus, and little by little, God worked in his heart too. Daddy, after dinner, can you show me how you play to God when you're alone? Well, uh, I don't know, son. I've, I've never prayed in front of anyone else before. You can show me, Daddy. It's just you and me. My son's simple question tore me apart. It was then I realized that Jesus could not only change my life, he could bring me closer to my family. That night, I went into the bathroom and cried like a baby. That was the night that all barriers were lifted between me and God. Now, Al and I devote more time to our wives and our families. Of course, fishing is still a great passion. In 1998, we launched a new show called The Angling Edge. We teach people how to fish, but more importantly, we teach them about how to know Jesus Christ, who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's the purpose God gave us. Wow, that was really something. What an amazing story about the transformative power of Jesus Christ and a strong witness that fame and fortune mean nothing if we do not know the one true living God. Now, I have here a question from a visitor of one of our live productions who asked, where do we get our testimonies? That's a good question. Where do we get our testimonies? Well, we receive stories from people all over the world who submit their testimony through our website, unshackled.org. So if you're interested and want to share your own story, you can go to unshackled.org, click on the Reach Us drop-down menu at the top of the page, and then click Share Your Testimony. That will guide you through the steps to submit your story. Now, it's important to note that we do not automatically produce all testimonies submitted, but that is the initial step 
to get the ball rolling. If you have a question or comment for us here at Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, something you may be curious about, a comment you want to share, you can write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We would love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our prize contest, our sweepstakes, well, you know, we'll call it a sweepstakes. Before we get to our sweepstakes drawing, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can also share it or tell a friend. Uh, We'd also love for you to review, rate our podcast. Uh, We appreciate your input and encouragement. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. Okay, here's the prize for our upcoming sweepstakes contest, a beautiful wooden scripture plaque. And I believe the scripture on this particular plaque is Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Folks, this is a gorgeous plaque, especially if you're looking for Uh, daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this uh, very authentic and very unique uh, wooden plaque. The plaque is from uh, a tree branch or log and cut in such a way so as to uh, retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. It's been handcrafted uh, around the natural character and the beauty of the wood that God created. So, All you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast Sweepstakes Drawing, that's a mouthful, isn't it, is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org. And give us your name, your phone number, and your email, if possible. The winner of this sweepstake for this uh, beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on April 5th, but the deadline for entry is March 31st. And next time, Ron Lindner's life had humble beginnings. Hey, take a look at this, Al. What is it? It's my new fishing lure. Did you make that, Ron? No, but I'd like to make my own lure someday. He followed a dream and became a legend in the fishing world. I have an angling tournament in Texas. We're becoming real stars in the fishing world. I'm proud of you for that, but I wish you'd spend more time with us. Be careful what you wish for. You'd get sick of me if I were home all the time. But his life became tangled in a net of alcohol abuse. Oh, Ron, you've been drinking again. So what? Our first magazine hit the newsstands today. Ain't that a cause for celebration? That's wonderful. But you have to be careful, Ron. You're ruining the mood, Dolores. I wish you wouldn't nag me about it. I'm trying to relax. I'm getting tired of it all. I've lost sight of what's really important. This is his classic true story. Coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Ron Lindner were Tom Geich, Lisa Keefe, Steve Bayorgin, Demetrius Troy, and Mike Rogalski. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound effects Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script Kenitha Gabler and Chrissy Spallone. All right, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.